and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And to the show, we're talking about cashing in on cross-lease conversions. What do you need to know about turning your cross-lease property into freehold and how much money is it going to make you? Is this another one of your chat GPD titles? Yeah, that's right. AI yeah. came up with that. Now, for this, we are joined by Kirsty from Good Title. Kirsty, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, Kirsty and Good Title are based in Auckland and they help investors and homeowners convert properties from cross leases into freehold titles. But Kirsty, what is a cross lease? So a cross lease is where two or more people own essentially the land underneath the houses and share the land together. So let me see if I can understand this right. So let's say you've got two units that are adjoining units and I live in one and my neighbour lives in the other, we own everyone's land together. Pretty much, yeah. There will be common areas and there'll be areas that you occupy exclusively, but essentially, yeah, the land is owned by both of you. But what's interesting is that the units don't even have to be adjoining. They could be standalone houses, but together you own the land. Now, why do cross-lease properties exist? Like, it's a bit of an odd way of owning land. Absolutely. Well, in the 1960s, when there was lots of development going on, particularly in Auckland, it was a very quick, easy and convenient way of getting properties built. So it was kind of like, I used to joke, there was a poor man's subdivision back in the day, right? Absolutely. Really yeah. quick. So I own a big piece of land. Rather than go through the whole subdivision process because they needed houses, I could quickly subdivide through cross-lease. And then all of a sudden I could build on the back of my section. Absolutely. That was exactly what happened. Now, where do you typically find cross-lease properties? Are they all over New Zealand? They are all over New Zealand. So there is in excess of 200,000 and half of those would be in Auckland. Yeah, wow. there's lots on the North Shore, but yeah, spread all over Auckland. And what's the, what are the problems with a cross-lease arrangement? So problems with a cross-lease, it's all perfectly good and tickety-boo if you get on with your neighbour. But if you don't, that's where you can struggle. So if you want to make changes to your property or extensions, even down to painting the colour of your roof sometimes. So it's any variation to the flats plan. Am I understanding that right? So the flats plan is essentially the outline of your building. If there has been changes to your building, if there's been a garage added or if you've changed the footprint by maybe adding a bay window or yes. something along those lines, even a deck, if it needed consent, that needs to go on the flats plan. Right. So, and, yeah. And so so then I've got to go see my neighbour and I go, knock on knock on the door and it's Ed McKnight. Hello. At, <laughs> oh, hi there, Ed. Look, I just want to put a deck on my backyard. Oh, I'm not sure if I like that because where you want to put it, is facing into my lounge and I don't want to lose the privacy. Yeah, well, I, I want to take some of that privacy. I want to be peering over there and my kids are going to make a racket. Well, I'm not going to be able to walk around naked <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and so now all of a sudden, I can't build my deck. That's right. Absolutely. Without Ed's permission. And just to explain what a flats plan is, it's basically a bird's eye view of the land with some little drawings about here's the box or the square of where the house is and it's in this shape. So that if anybody makes a variation to it, you can clearly say, oh, that deck wasn't on the flats plan. That's an illegal deck there. Yeah, So, and the issue with flats plans is people understand that they need to get council consent if they want to you know, build a, a decent sized deck or if they want to extend their property. However, what they don't understand is that they need to update their flats plan as part of that. And if you don't, what happens? It's fine. You get your council consent. You think you're signed off. But when you want to sell your property, that's where the issue occurs. 
So it might be that your real estate agent is being very diligent and checking that kind of stuff out, or it might be that your real estate agent hasn't been diligent. You've advertised your property and then you get an offer and then your purchaser's lawyer comes along and says, actually, no, it's essentially a defective title. Yes. And your bank might say you can't borrow because it's a defective title. So that's where we might get a phone call going, ah, and that actually, panic. That actually happened for me with one property that I sold. So when I purchased it, I don't think we did as much due diligence as the purchaser that purchased off me. And then, of course, their lawyer came back and said, hey, you've got a defective flats plan. There's a carport here and there's not supposed to be. So how much does it cost to update the flats plan? To update the flats plan in Auckland, you're looking around about eighteen dollars to $20,000. No. Yeah. No. Just, Just to do one flats plan. That is so much money. I know. It's crazy. But there's a lot of processes involved. So it's very similar to actually doing a change of tenure or doing a subdivision. There's just a lot of processes involved. No, you're not getting your tech, Andrew. You're not going to be peering into <laughs> the lounge then. <laughs> and so normally if, if I'm the one that wants to put the deck and I'm going to get the advantage of the updated flats plan, then I'm going to be the one that has to incur that cost, right? Absolutely. And so because of this, that's why cross-lease properties tend not to be as valuable as properties that would be exactly the same, but with a freehold title. Completely, yeah. Ballpark, you know, what might that difference be? Well, we normally tell people anywhere in excess of 10%, which is, you know, a large sum of money, potentially. Well, if you've got a North Shore property and it's worth a million dollars, that's $100,000 for... Absolutely. $100,000 increase, which is yep. great. And that's for you and your neighbour in that case. Yep. Okay, well, it probably leads to a great question of, okay, I've, I've got my million dollar, or to be honest, in North Shore, it's probably one and a half million dollars or more, depending on where it is. No, it's cross lease, mate. <laughs> well, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> you've stumped me, Andrew Nicole. Look at you, you've ruined my flow. Uh, so... I've got a house that's worth $1.35 million because it's a cross lease <laughs> and I want to get my extra 135k by converting it. How much does it cost? Ballpark, we always know it's going to change based on different factors, but give us a range. Well, if there's two properties on the cross lease, so your $1.35 million property with its flats plan, if we change it to freehold, you're talking around about $20,000 for yours and $20,000 for your neighbour. So, so essentially I, the same cost as updating your flats plan. Which is great. So then if you have an instance where someone is going to have to update their flats plan, it's probably a good time to just bite the bullet and fee simple it. Absolutely. Even better if you can find someone like us to do a wee bit of snooping and find out if your neighbour's flats plan is defective. And then you've got the perfect right. currency to go to them and say, well, yours is defective as well. So for the same money, hey, let's okay. do a change of tenure. So now my neighbour... Look at you smiling. Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking about it. I think that's crap. So, okay, my annoying neighbour, Ed, has refused to let me build the deck on, yeah. but I know his carport is not on the flats plan. Does go. that give me leverage, does it? That gives you a big stick. So what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> what can, Ed likes that. So <laughs> what can I do then? Can I get him to... If he won't allow me to put the deck, can I force him to remove the carport? You, hmm, a wee bit tricky. You can't really necessarily force him, but absolutely you could be a fly in the ointment. Because the issue is that you don't feel the pain of a defective title until you go to either borrow more money against it or to sell it, right? Well, you could have report them to the bank. Could you do that? Depends how much you want to kind of get in their bad books, perhaps. Honestly, if you think I'm walking around <laughs> naked a lot before you build the deck, you wait till you try and be a fly of the ointment. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't forget to rate review. <laughs> um, so one other thing I was thinking, well, it might not actually do this, but I'd be around at your house encouraging you to build a deck or something just so that you get a defective title, just so I can use it against you in order to change it into a cross There's something not right about you, mate. I like the thinking, though. So what happens if I think to myself, right, I really just want to have a fee simple property. It'll improve my value. I'm about to put my house on the market, mm -hmm. so therefore I want it to be more valuable. And then I go knock on Ed's door and he says, no, I'm not doing that. I like having the control of, of you. Unfortunately, there's not much you can do about that. There's no legal process. There's no legal process. No, you can't force him to do it. However, you could sweeten the cake mixture by yep. offering to pay for it. Yeah, I think that's probably a big advantage. If you're going to sell your property and it is going to improve yeah. the value significantly yep. and probably broaden the number of people that will make an offer on the property. If I have to pay the full $40,000, okay, well, that's eroding into my uplift, but it's still more money for me. Absolutely, yeah. And do you see people do that? In your experience, do most people pay for their own or do they pay for their neighbours as well? The majority would be paying for their own because obviously they can both see the potential for yes. the uplift. However, if it's as you've described and somebody wants to sell and they are keen, then yeah, we have quite a few where one client may be paying for all of it or they may have done a percentage deal. I was talking to a client this afternoon where there are 65-35 split. Oh, yeah. I've had ones before where somebody's paying the bulk share with maybe 5K from that one, and it was a, I think it was a three-unit cross-lease, so they were the other neighbours contributing about 5K each. So it just comes down to what people can afford at the end of the day. Because I suppose there's a couple of reasons why a neighbour might not want to convert their cross-lease. You know, if you've been there for 40 years and you're thinking, oh, I'm mm. quite happy with this, I don't plan to sell, why do I want to pay 20 grand when I'm not going to get the benefit of the property increasing in value straight away? I'm going to be paying 20 grand, but I'm not going to get that benefit until I sell, so maybe I'll just delay. The other thing would be if I wanted to control you, by not wanting you to build that deck or I wanted to avoid the hassle or the noise of any construction if you wanted to build a minor dwelling on your part mm. of the land, for example. like There could be some decent reasons. Or maybe I don't want you to build a bigger house because that might take away some of the sun into my lounge. Mm. I think nowadays as well with the changes to allow people to potentially build some units on the, on the back of their section, if they do have a sizable section and they will have after the conversion, then you don't have any recourse to stop them doing that if they fit within the council guidelines. Absolutely, yeah. And tell me this, does everyone always end up with the same section at the end of it? So if it's a 1,000 square metre section, does that mean we both have 500 square metres? Or can we say, okay, well, you've actually got more land? We usually follow what is there as existing on the ground. So I think that's probably one of the biggest myths about cross leases is people see that half share written on their title. Yes. But essentially, it's not a half share. It may be that the flats plan shows a common area and then the exclusive area is actually bigger for one neighbour than the other. Right. So we go with what's on the ground and what's on the existing flats plan. If it's a common shared driveway, we'll normally encourage the neighbours to have the chat first. Yes. To decide how they want to split things. Yes. I mean, I've worked with clients where they're so keen to have a half share we've actually done things differently to what's currently on the ground so it really comes down to what you can agree between you and what everybody's happy with yeah no I always thought the half share was because it was an equal an equal share no, but and it's not I'd say that is the most common myth and that's right. where 
that's why I try and encourage clients to really understand that at the start of the process. So you've got to know exactly how much land you actually have that you're using right now. Yeah, so, and it is having those conversations. So if, for example, it really does matter and that's going to stop the process, you know, if it ends up being one client's got 700 and the other one's got 300, for example, and I have seen that happen Mm. and people don't understand that in the beginning, then that can absolutely, you know, throw the spanner in the works. So it's making sure they're aware of that in the beginning and if it really matters, then perhaps agreeing that actually where the existing fence is, you know, that's going to change and that's going to be shifted so that they end up with a more of a, an equal share. And how do you remunerate someone for that? So if I've got another 100 square metres now because we've decided to push my fence out, do I have to buy that land off you? Again, it comes down to what you can agree right. between you. So someone could potentially do that, but whether it's actually a kind of legal thing, and mm. yeah, it just comes down to what you agree between you and hence the kind of grey area for having the cross-lease in the first place. And what's the process of untangling a cross-lease property and converting it to freehold? So Andrew and I, we've come to this decision. Yep, we're going to untangle each other. How do you go about actually doing it? Okay, well, first of all, you ring me. And then from there, we'll do you a a free proposal to give you an idea of the cost. But what are you? Are you a land surveyor or are you a cross? Like, what what, what is whatever you are called? So we're good title and we are your one-stop shop for untangling your cross lease. So underneath good title are two businesses. So service consultants who are a land surveyor and then Dwyer Law, who are a specialist property law firm. And that's the two companies that make up good title. Gotcha. So we can do every process. So we start with the CCTV work. So I engage specialist contractors to do that. Because in Auckland, the servicing has to be in good order. So both wastewater and stormwater has to be in good order. doesn't need to be separate, but it needs to be in good order. So we start there. And that's probably the only grey area that we can't pin costs down to. How often do you have to pay for them to be upgraded? Fairly commonly, you'll need maybe a hydro clean. Right. Um, You know, if you've got a 40-year-old property with pipes that have been sitting there for that length of time, there's a good chance that either there'll be some small cracks or there'll be tree roots grown in. But yeah, more often than not, some minor work. And what does that cost? The first stage CCTV, the engineer's review, you're looking around about two and a half to 3,000, but you're going to share that with your neighbour if you're paying together. And from there, it is, yeah, working out. So minor tree roots, say, in a small section of line and a hydro clean and a bit of re-CCTV, perhaps a couple of thousand dollars on top of that. And how long does the whole process take? So if I've decided I want to sell my property in summer, could I get it all wrapped up in the next six months? Unfortunately, it takes a wee bit longer than that. So the CCTV and any repairs has to be done first. Once that's all established, then we push on with the rest of the processes and you're talking probably 10 to 12 months. It's a long time, but there's a lot of processes involved. So we will obviously do our utmost to get it through as quickly as we can. But unfortunately, council have a a certain period of time to get consent sorted, but often it can take longer, particularly if there's an RFI, so a request for further information. That can add time to the process. And then when it gets to the the, uh, certificates at the end of the process with council 223, 224, there's no set time period for those. So that can be a wee bit tricky. And let's say I want to do this in an area where, you know, you guys don't actually operate. So say it's New Plymouth. Is it the land surveyor and the lawyers that you need to engage if you want to do this? Yep. So if you were going to be your own project manager, you're going to be engaging 
I don't believe you'd need the CCTV in that area because we find that outside of Auckland, it really is just kind of doing the consent process. Auckland obviously requests the um, servicing information. So you'd need your surveyor. You'd need legal information. So lawyer, you're going to have to work with council. You're going to have to work with Land Information New Zealand. So there's yeah a lot of steps in the process. And in terms of, I'm just trying to really understand the process of this. So if you don't want to project manage it yourself and you're in a region where you guys don't operate, are there lots of companies like yourself or do people project manage it themselves or do they hire a land surveying company to do it? Yeah, possibly the surveyor may do it for you. In terms of companies that operate, there are definitely several in Auckland now, but mainly because, as I said before, 50% of cross leases in New Zealand are in Auckland. Yeah. So there's a big market there. But yeah, outside of Auckland, probably your land surveyor would offer that service. And what yeah. do you guys call yourselves? Is it like a, a cross-lease conversion company? Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's wrap it up there. But thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. Of course, if you do have a cross-lease property and want to get it converted, you might like to consider good title. That's where Kirst is from. We'll drop a link to that down in the show notes. So just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll find it in there. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the property market. Until next time. <laughs>